Hello. Hello. And welcome to... Voyage to First Vintage. We really need... A like different, a... more normal sounding intro. No, I was going to say a jingle, but... Yeah, that too. That too. That would work as well. <laughs> anyway, this week, we'll just get you guys right into it. We talked to... Isis Daniel of the, the Millennial Sum. She is absolutely amazing. She is a singer. She well, you'll is... find all this out in the interview. Okay. And we can just get right into it. <laughs> all right. Here we go. We are sitting down today with the gorgeous, the talented, <laughs> the intelligent, oh my gosh, the so talented. Can I talk about your singing for a second? Because Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Isis Daniels of the Millennial Sum. <laughs> Hi. Yes. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> and you should tell everybody about like, who you are, let everybody know how awesome you are so that they can be as excited to listen to this podcast as I am. Yes. All right. So my name is Isis Daniel. I am the Millennial Psalm, and I connect wineries, wine companies, and wine professionals with my audience to elevate their wine knowledge so that they can be prepared in any professional and social environment. I'm all about making the inaccessible accessible and the exclusive personal. Um, I like to tell people that I am your wine connect. Okay. So you come to me, I'll break down wine so that you understand. I'm all about making sure that you're prepared to pick your wine, giving you the gadgets to use all of that jazz. She's got <laughs> That's me. Covered. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. So what got you started in, in wine? Like what made you think like, yeah, this is, this is an industry that I want to work in. So the story is kind of, um, <clears throat> it's interesting because I didn't expect myself to come to this point. Um, I, as you guys kind of know, I was a singer <laughs> and mm -hmm. while I was kind of singing and trying to fuel that dream, I was working in the service industry. Um, and being a server, you know, you have to tell people what to get and the perfect pairings and why. And although my, the where restaurants I was, I, I was working at, they were able to kind of coach me. I didn't fully understand. Then when I started really drinking wine, I just became this, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm drinking wine and I like it. Like, that, you know, you, like yeah. which most people are. Most people have no idea um, about the beautiful, wonderful details of wine that makes it great, right? Mm -hmm. But you know you like it. So you drink it. And that's yeah. what I was doing. Um, and my mom, she became Peris Periscope famous. Yes. Okay. Uh, it was kind of interesting, that yeah. little phase there. Um, but she ended up meeting some Psalms. And she talked about me. And they said that I could make this a profession. So I decided to look in and take some courses. And then, boom, here I am. <laughs> that's, that's a long, drawn-out story. That's awesome. But that's my story. That's so cool. That's amazing. And like, are you like super interested in like the industry side? I don't know exactly what I'm trying to I'm ask you. I think I know. I think I understand what you're asking. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry, but I, I, I think I do. Somebody does. <laughs> so when I went to my first wine course, my mind was blown away by all the intricate details in the winemaking process. The notes you can get like First time I went to a class and they were like, so what notes are you getting? I'm like, it smells like wine. I don't, I don't have an answer, <laughs> yes. but I wanted to know more. I wanted to understand, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's what kind of captured my heart 
was the fact that there's so much about wine that I don't know and I want to know. Right. So yeah, that's what it kind of inspired me. That's amazing. And right now you you're um, a level two W set, right? Yeah. And I think our listeners are just understanding what that means <laughs> because like we haven't we've been talking to winemakers, we've been talking to you know winery owners, we haven't had the chance until recently to talk to somebody who's just like in their journey like we are in ours you know Mm -hmm. so yes so that's been really cool to talk to people who are like in it (laughs) in the thick Mm -hmm. of it kind of you know yep and what i'm doing is it hasn't really been done um right now as a millennial we're all about creating our own way um so in that sense i mean no i'm not the first to do this but a lot of millennials in the wine industry are trying to make their own way in wine. And I'm just one of those people. So when you ask me specifically, what are your visions? What are you trying to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just like doing my tasting Thursdays and I'm going to start <laughs> yes. this podcast and see where it takes me. Um, and everybody needs it, to follow you. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and everybody needs to follow you. The millennial Psalm. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Oh, no, I was I'm oh. just oh. co-signing. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and watch your tasting Thursdays because there, it feels like you've done so much to prepare for the video, but like it just comes across so effortlessly as well. Like you know what I'm saying? Like watching you, it's just like, like I want to watch more of you. <laughs> How I feel Please watching do. your videos. <laughs> Share, like, and follow. Go all yeah. the above. <laughs> In tasting Thursdays, but, um, you what time do you do that on tasting on Thursdays? Okay, so the way Instagram is kind of set up and the way that my, um, you know, I told you guys uh, before the podcast that I've been with my father taking care of him um, because he, you know, got sick um, and his internet is crazy. So there is no time. It is on Thursday and it will come up with it upload. (laughs) (laughs) Just reality of what the situation is. you know, as soon as I can figure out how to make sure that my um, videos upload on time, which if any of the listeners have any idea, please y'all share with me and let me know because that would take <laughs> a lot of stress off my shoulders. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's such like a a difficult thing to you know have an Instagram presence al- along with having a nine to five and all that. But you're also writing two books and starting your own podcast. Like what? <laughs> you're you're so I so bu- I can't even imagine how busy you are right now. Yeah. So I was just talking to my father about this. Um, I'm a creative. It's just in my blood. I wish I could turn it off sometimes because my mind goes a mile a minute. And if I don't have bazillion projects I get bored I get sad like actually I do I get really sad um and so me writing my books it's really a hobby that accidentally turned into something serious because the book is so complex and I actually have to put in time and effort to research and make it so it's a lot um but you know as far as the podcast goes which I'm sure you guys can tell by now I like to talk (laughs) I love it. <laughs> um, and so I figured creating a podcast um, will really help with my mission as far as making wine accessible and knowledge accessible for people in a in a approachable way, just like what you guys are doing, which is why I love it. But, um, you know, I want to make sure that my followers 
thoroughly understand wine, that they have direct connection to wineries and other wine professionals. So why not talk about it and talk about pop culture and laugh and be silly and stuff? I love that <laughs> so much. Yeah. And where can people find your podcast? Like, I, I know that you haven't published your first episode yet. Yes. But you're on Instagram. People can like get ready and, and go follow you right yes. now. So the goal is to have it on um, all major uh, uh, streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm working on um, my website to get that up so everything can be as accessible and easy. I mean, that's the whole point of being the millennial psalm, right? So <laughs> we're going to be making <laughs> it um, easy for everyone to log on and listen. Perfect. Awesome. awesome. You know, and what's I'm your a baby Instagram? in my business. Y'all be patient with me. <laughs> <laughs> we know how yes. it is. We do know how it yeah. is. Gosh darn it. It's, yeah. it's a struggle I think we started sometime. backwards compared to you. We, we launched the podcast and then tried to catch up with everything else. Mm-hmm. So I think you're, well, you're probably doing it the right way. Yes. <laughs> I don't know about that because I've been doing a lot of research on podcasts before I started. And a lot of podcasters say start because the problem is with people like me who can be a perfectionist, it causes you to kind of have paralysis so that you don't okay. actually start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't discredit your process. <laughs> I would actually give you props because you guys have a following. You guys are started. You have things that people can go and listen to right now. So cool. I give you all the props. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you. you. We feel better about how things have gone so far. Yeah, I do wish that we did like a little bit on the front end, just to, like prepare like you have, you know, and just like work out all the kinks before we actually go live. Because mm-hmm. we were just like, yeah, let's record. And God, it's cringeworthy <laughs> listening to like the first episodes that we had. Like the sound is just bad. And yeah, really. I mean, there are a lot of like podcasts I've looked up that their first podcast they have like dogs barking in the background and (laughs) so it's a journey just be okay you guys are great (laughs) like every few weeks we get a little better yeah that's right yeah that's all that matters yeah and of course there's always like cats in the background of our podcast like bugger she was just scratching at the door she wants to go outside and we have like a fenced in backyard over here so she was like let me out (laughs) But also it's raining and you're not actually an outside cat. So, yeah. so Oh, is it raining over there too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. She was raining my cats and dogs about, today. Yeah. We didn't talk about you're in Washington, D.C. right now, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, I'm like 15 minutes from it. I'm in Maryland right now. Gotcha. But, you know, it's next door. It's across the street. Yeah. So <laughs> it was raining like crazy today. And I was driving all early in the morning and I was like, oh. You know, I drive like an old lady, so (laughs) not about that rain life at all. But it's okay. We lived. Yes. (laughs) And talking about that, um, you being up so early in the morning and (laughs) you kind of led into that a little bit about you being a night owl and and tell us about why you were up so early this morning. (laughs) All right, you guys. So we're getting ready to cross into african-american experience all right so let's just set that up um so since i haven't been at work i actually work at a wine bar but since COVID, i haven't been for obvious reasons and i've been ordering all of my wines online but i usually get them for discounted pricing and being in maryland the shipping is crazy so i'm very selective about the wines i get the memberships i have all of that now 
the accessibility to African-American wines are just not easy. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to the shipping, it's just, it's so expensive. So I usually opt out or I'll say I'll get it a different way. But I really wanted to have an African-American wine on this podcast. I just felt that it was necessary, right? Yes. I go to all of the, Af- I, went, I went to all of the um, wine bars here and uh, liquor stores. Like uh-huh. anything that yeah. sells wine, I went there. Not one African-American wine. Wow. Not one. Then I talked to my one of my best friends. She's like, oh, my gosh, they totally have it at Total Wines, which, you know, Total Wines. Do you guys know? Right. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's Total Wines. <laughs> and I look it up and they only have two African-American wines. Yes, I am yeah. so serious. This is not a game. So I had to get in my car and drive 30 minutes into Virginia to to purchase an African-American wine because that was the closest one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I told you guys I'm taking care of my father, so I had to be back in time to make him breakfast. Even if it's something light, I still, you know, have to make him breakfast. So I drove, woke up early, drove and picked it up, and then I came, and it's just, you know, it's upsetting. It's so upsetting that... Mm -hmm. um, it took all of that for me to get. That's and that's so like disappointing to me. Like, yeah, it's it shouldn't be that hard for us to find, you know, a an African American owned winery in the area or like or so, at least a bottle in a yeah that is sold in, a in the area bottle shop. And, and I'm sure that if there are stores, um, which I might, I just might not be aware of, which is also a problem. Mm-hmm. If there, you know, there, I know there's some um, African American wine bars and things of that sort, and I'm sure that they have African American wines there. But it, I shouldn't have to go to a black establishment to have yeah. black wine. Exactly. And I know it, it shouldn't matter as far as color is concerned, but because mm-hmm. there's such a deficit, it does matter, and we have yeah. to pay attention to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was my morning, and I was really upset about it, actually. Yeah. Like, I was, like, super upset. Because I some of the stores that. I went into, when I asked for African-American wines, they were like, no. Do they really and say like, it why? like that? Like, yes, one, like- one store did. And um, I was like, okay, well, I would never come back here again. Never. Yeah, uh, yeah so. If you want a name drop, I would not be <laughs> <laughs> upset about it. Like, Danielle's all about that controversy right now. <laughs> I know. I've been, I've been, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's just been really hard, like, watching how everybody's just, like, tone deaf to what's going on and just, like, not even acknowledging, like, yeah. Just not everything. clued in whatsoever. Yeah, it's... I have thoughts. Not, not that we're <laughs> not that we're completely on top of things, but I mean, like Real, us realizing it and then seeing other things going on. I don't know. It's been yeah. eye opening for and us. And we're for at sure. least trying to like educate ourselves in yeah. you know like I'm I'm like on Instagram like reading all the posts that people are posting about like like Juneteenth. Like I had no idea about Juneteenth. Like I didn't even know what it was about like i had to go on instagram and like in in other websites and just like read about it and yep you know be there for it but um and, and it's I, not enti- and you know this is the conversation that i find myself having all the time you know it's not your fault that you didn't know but now that you do what are you doing about it that is that is my yeah. big push for everyone who is in the dark mm-hmm. um because 
some things like there are certain um, aspects of African-American history that I don't know about. And I went to this pro-black <laughs> um, middle school on Howard University's campus, which, you know, is a um, historically black college. Yeah. And I learned a lot fundamental wise of, about my history and my culture learned a lot. And there were still things like I knew I knew about Juneteenth, but um, I didn't fully understand. And I don't know if it was just something I didn't pay attention to in school or if it was a topic that just kind of I just somehow missed. Right. But even me as an African-American, I didn't fully understand what that was until yeah. my early 20s or earlier 20s. I'm only 25. <laughs> I, I talk like I'm some old woman sometimes. You, you just got to forgive me. <laughs> but, you know, uh, right now what we're dealing with is not necessarily people who don't know and aren't willing to um, acknowledge a lot of the uh, issues that we're having. It's the the practice of ignoring mm -hmm. the facts, ignoring the truth. And that's what, uh, you know, the United States of America has done for 400 years. It's been ignoring lives, ignoring what they know is right and what is wrong simply because of social status and what they are comfortable with is just what the reality is. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be a part of history where we are shaking things up. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, yes, it is yes. time for change. And I'm happy to have allies such as you guys who are willing to speak about the matter and to speak against it. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and gosh, like anytime that you want to come on our podcast and talk about it, like, please, like, or come anything. on or talk about talk to us. Like, yeah. because one of the biggest thing is that like we don't know like what we don't know if that makes sense so yeah. like mm -hmm. we need we need to talk to people like you and and like um and just try to get try to get a better idea of what what's going on what we're missing yeah yeah and like mm -hmm. el rodriguez who we talked to last week and she's the the first or one of the first latina like wine influencers on instagram and and she was talking about you know the racism that she's experienced and and like how she's trying to shake things up too and like mm -hmm. i'm all here for it like please like lay some knowledge on me <laughs> like let, let me know like what we can do as people who are going well like painfully white people who are like <laughs> just not educated you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what i always recommend um you really have to take it upon yourself to seek the knowledge, just like we have. I mean, African-Americans, when you really look back to the core of who we are and, you know, I'm not going to apologize for, you know, speaking my experience. But I know that when I speak like this, it can make people uncomfortable. But our culture, language, experience stripped away from us 400 years ago when we first got on this boat to America. Right. And I'm just talking about yeah. Americans because... Yeah. Slavery, African-American slave trade actually started um, in the 1400s. So let's oh. just begin there. Um, but we have to understand that we've had to, because our history isn't taught in school, we've had to seek it ourselves. We had to do the research, look up African-American authors, um, look up other history books that were written by African-Americans or just people from different cultures around the world to kind of get an understanding of what our experience was mm -hmm. so just like we went out of our way to study i encourage you guys to do the same um because it's exhausting for us to feel 
yes, we're willing to have, some of us are willing, like me, are willing to have that conversation, but there yeah. are other African-Americans who are exhausted, who have made it their business to explain and have been ignored for so many years. And now that we're having this awakening, everyone's like, well, what do we do? We want to know. And some people are just like, y'all need to read a book like we did. So I'm just yeah. giving you yeah. guys that tool to say, mm -hmm. yes, ask because you have people like me who aren't tired, who want to have a conversation, who want to have that dialogue and challenge some of the experiences that you've had, just like I'm open for you doing the same for me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we still have to make sure that we are educating ourselves, right? Yeah. So that's that's what I encourage for you guys. It's awesome that you've allowed me on your podcast. It's awesome that you're allowing me to speak my experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, keep, if you guys ever taste wines on here, try to, you know, invite some African-Americans on here or try some African-American wines. Just keep pushing for us. And, you know, I'll do the same for you guys 100%. Well, I love you. that. And thank you for, I mean, you said for us allowing you to come onto our podcast. It, to me, it feels like you're allowing us to speak to you because we aren't some big oh. platform. We don't, I don't know, we're not any big time players. So anytime we get someone to come on the podcast, especially someone like yourself, it feels like, you know, they're spending their time with us rather than we're spending our time with them. We're spending our time together. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's so important what you said, like, and, and sometimes I forget about that. Like, people have been struggling for so, so long and they're so tired. And I love that you brought up that, you know, I love that you brought that up because that's super important for us to know. I just mm -hmm. wanted to touch on that because, mm -hmm. like, yeah. I feel like, like, this, <laughs> this is, like, blowing well, we, my mind right We now. can't expect people to hand us the information we need on a silver platter. Yeah. There's right. got to be yeah, some. And we can't expect you guys. So, and I hope, I, once again, I, I feel like I have to give disclaimers because I'm not trying to offend anyone. But as African Americans, I know that you guys haven't really been challenged to see our experience. It's been easy to not see it. And so what I'm not going to do is bash you guys for saying, oh, we finally do or we are removing the veil from something that we did see, but we kind of chose not to see or whatever motivations there were. Um, I'm not going to bash you guys for that. And I want to be clear about that because it doesn't matter how you got to change. It just matters that we are here and we're going to do the necessary work. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And one of like my favorite quotes through all of this has been, if you continue to live in comfort, if you're not willing to make that change and, and put yourself in uncomfortable situations and there's not going to be any change at all. And 100%. Yeah. So please bring on the uncomfortable yeah. topics. Like let's talk about them and, and make them like more comfortable. You know, like there's like the stigma that, you know, we can't talk about these things, but I think it's the exact opposite that we should be talking about these things mm -hmm. and make them, you know, make them a common occurrence, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. make 100%. It. Make yeah. it something that eventually will be comfortable. Yeah. Because it's just talked about so often or at least discussed relatively often and so it's yeah. not something mm -hmm. that's just new and foreign to a lot of people i think that's yeah i mean things are swept under the rug because you don't want to acknowledge them it's mm -hmm. like any other problem that we've ever had from you and i or you know just anything um when you sweep things under the rug it's always going to be uncomfortable to take it out because you swept it under the rug for a reason yeah right um so yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm I'm willing to tackle this thing. Awesome. So, 
we're yes. so excited to like be in it with you like not not with you in a sense like like I can't understand like what you've gone through because I haven't gone through it myself but I want to better understand it from somebody like in in my situation you know what I'm saying like I just want to mm-hmm. be there for you is what I'm saying <laughs> like you know um which I don't know if this is appropriate to talk about but I went to a boarding school and right now they are being challenged for a lot of the ridiculous experiences a lot of the African-American students face there. Um, and, you know, it's uncomfortable, it's hard, it's challenging, but, you know, we have to deal with it head on. And what I said to them when we were, we had like this huge uh, Zoom call, it's like over 165 people or something. It was crazy. Wow. It was out. Yeah. A whole lot of people on that one call. And it was for African-American students to talk about their experience. Mm-hmm. And one thing I said to them was I said, imagine every African-American person walking down the street was your child. And I mean, I know this is a school that we're talking about, but, you know, they're taking care of kids and it's right. a little differently. But I think that you need to take yourself. You'll, no, you will never be able to be black and know exactly how it felt. But you can put us in the same category that you put someone that you love, someone that you respect, someone that you would protect at all costs, your husband, your wife. Right. And when you are able to view people that you don't 100 100 percent feel that you can connect with, put them in the same category as someone you can. Because life is life. And I think that's the problem that we're having with society right now. The reason why we're split in half is because we're saying that, you know, black people, we're, we have a life, we matter, our voice matters, all of that. But you also have to understand that this is a culture that said that African-Americans were three thirds of a person. So we're not people to some of the people who are arguing lives don't matter or black lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. It really is a conversation of, practice has been passed down from generation to generation as far as how they view us Mm -hmm. you know what i mean until we are people in their eyes and they can admit it admit that i haven't really viewed you guys as people as whole people who have substance who are educated who have something to offer and add to this world it's not going to happen you know, yeah. and we can't be afraid that uh, that was I'm sorry to go on. But I no, will say no, this because no, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. When I had the conversation with the school, what I said to them when I spoke, I said when I wanted to be want to be clear that when we talk about being racist, we're not saying you're a good or a bad person. Racism is a taught behavior. So when we say you were being racist or we say that something that you did was offensive and was meant to keep us from progressing we're not trying to attack you we're talking about that behavior and to stay on the point so don't be afraid to say i was being racist don't be afraid to say that i was wrong because until you can say i was being racist until you can say i was wrong until you can say i didn't even know that i wasn't being inclusive i didn't know that i wasn't purchasing black wines it didn't even like come to my mind until you're able to say that, you're not going to be able to change. Hell so just put yes. that out there, and we'll we can I move on. <laughs> I know I I watched no, your IGTV was... video where you talk and you said 
you know, something very, very similar to what you just said. And I was like, I was like, I had to like take a moment and just like take that all in mm -hmm. because it's not, it, it's groundbreaking almost to me, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on a it's, personal level. Yeah, on sure. a personal level. Yeah. It's accountability. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. The problem is, is that people don't, there's certain, um, certain actions haven't been held accountable. It's just like a little kid who I've never, you know, I never you know, drew on the wall before. And then mm -hmm. your mom says, what are you doing? And you're just, you're stuck. You're like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. And yeah. rather than say, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. People are saying, but I want to draw on the wall. I know I got in trouble, but I'm going to continue to do it. And that's mm -hmm. what the problem is. Being held accountable can be so scary. It can get you so riled up and uncomfortable and just unsure, but it's accountability. And if you make the necessary changes, you check yourself and you say, okay, some things got to change. Things get easier. You just don't draw on the wall anymore. <laughs> I love that analogy. And it's true. I like, get it from mama. I can't help with the analogies. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no they're fantastic. Yeah. They just watch on the podcast of mine. It's going to be <laughs> so many crazy analogies. Everyone's going to be like, what is she talking about? Why are we talking Dang, about crayons? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking about crayons? I thought we were no, no, okay. <laughs> no, I think that's so good and it's so important to like help people better understand and like put them into like give them that perspective where you know they can understand it from something that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the analogy is like keep them coming. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I got you. <laughs> it comes naturally. I don't know where they come from. It just says bing. And with that being said, tell us about the wine that you're drinking. Yes. All right, you guys. So I have a nice, affordable, easy to drink flow, right? So this mm -hmm. is actually, um, I has his name on the back, Marcus Johnson. He is an African-American, um, internationally um, acclaimed pianist, jazz pianist, right? Oh, my gosh. Um, so yes, yeah, so flow, and it's actually for the love of. That's what that um, okay. flow means. And this is a red blend, 2015. Yes, 2015. So that's what I'm sipping on. Average price. Oh, let me come to the mic. <laughs> Average price is about ten dollars. So this is oh, wow. a really affordable um, bottle of wine. There are some great um, African American wines out there. I encourage you guys to look them up. One of my favorite would be Brown Estate. Um, but yes. Yeah. Couldn't do it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No. And we did a little bit of searching around. Uh, the wine enthusiast had put out a list of, of black owned wineries. Um, mm -hmm. And so we went through, I think we went through most of those wineries to see if, you know, like you were talking about earlier, shipping charges are just astronomical. Like it's so hard to purchase a, like a couple bottles of wine when the shipping charges are like twice as much as what you're paying for the wine. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so <laughs> guilty. Like yeah. you have no yeah. idea. So yeah. I've been, again, I usually work at a wine bar. All right. So mm -hmm. they have everything I need plus my employee discount. Let's just talk about it and just get into it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but since I've been home and then being at my dad's house, I've been, to kind of get by, I've been signing up for different um, wine membership shipping companies mm -hmm. so that I can get wines to taste for Tasting Thursday, but then also I can kind of rate and tell people the experience if that's what they're looking for. Yeah. I've tried it here. It's just mm -hmm. easy 
we're all happy win-win concept content yeah. got it um but i when i went to buy some african-american wines because although i am african-american i too have been guilty of not supporting african-american wines as much as i should because the accessibility isn't there yeah you know and hell yeah just because it's hard to get to does not mean that we don't go after it because if more people purchase the more accessible it's going to become mm-hmm. y'all did you hear me okay listeners if you purchase it and we all go out and purchase it it will become easier for us to get it so although the shipping is crazy we need to go ahead and pay for that shipping. All right. I'm preaching to myself as I preach to you. All right. So we're going back to the podcast. <laughs> I love you um, so much. But, you just turn it over. You know, we got we got to do it. We got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're giving you our podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Here it is. It's yours. <laughs> I can't help it because I, I talk to so many wineries and it's just like one one winery that I have a great relationship with by damn wines. By the way, they are phenomenal, okay? Just, they're great wines, okay? But anyway, um, (laughs) but one thing, um, I was talking to one of the winemakers, Colin Gordon. He was saying how, it's yes, we want you guys to purchase our wines from all these different retail stores. However, purchasing it directly from us would be better for us. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I know that when you guys have your vineyard and you have your wines and all that jazz, Mm -hmm. yes, if you distribute them to different stores, you want them to purchase it from the stores, please. Mm-hmm. However, direct, <laughs> directly to the wineries is the way to go. Yes. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's just better to, it, you're really supporting local small businesses when you do that as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, shout out, um, shout out yeah. to all the, the, the small businesses and vineyards out yeah. there. Yeah. That's actually what James said. We were like shopping through um, like, a Fred Meyer over here just across the street mm-hmm. and I was like hey like uh one of my favorite wineries Colin Clemens in the Willamette Valley uh mm-hmm. I was like their wine is sold here we should buy one and James is like why don't why are we buying it from the retailer like why don't we just go to them go mm-hmm. to Colin Clemens and yeah. buy their wine <laughs> yep <laughs> that that's what you gotta do support them that way yeah yeah, yeah. gosh like I I was in the same boat as you. Like, I was just, you know, buying wines and not really paying attention to who was actually selling it. And Mm -hmm. and same thing with our podcast. Like, we just kind of went through, you know, kind of thought about, like, who we were interviewing. And they were, like, 40-year-old white men. Like, and and some women. women. Like, across the board, (laughs) we're just like. You know. Yeah. Like we need to change things up here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we had a real conversation. But it's not about you. It. It's not you. It's not you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's the industry. Um. Yeah. So there's the school that I go to, Capital Wine School in D.C. They actually came out with this crazy pie graph of diversity in um, the wine industry. Mm-hmm. More than seventy-five percent were white men. Yeah. Okay. Two percent. <laughs> were African-American, period. Oh Not man, woman, just yeah. black African-American. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I think um, Latina was like three or four. It was something wow. more than African-American, but still mm-hmm. not yeah. much. Yeah. Crazy. And then, like, uh, we just had Justine Osella a couple weeks ago on our podcast, and she's Filipino. And so, mm-hmm. like, 
no representation at all whatsoever you know like yeah. we just needed to shake things up <laughs> like that's why we're you know we're like seeking out people in wine that aren't you know aren't who us. are yeah that aren't us yeah. <laughs> and that's that's all if we do that you don't understand when i'm when i saw that pie graph I, all of my friends who are african-american women were like so uh, our friend group is that the two percent <laughs> and you know what i mean it's just it's us it's, it's that's crazy. Right what's going on yeah but you know if we once again i totally commend you guys for going out of your way to make sure you're seeking out diversity within your business starting off early because once again when we start reaching out to these people and getting their names out there and gaining popular popularity that is when the market is going to um increase it's going to grow so you and me both we got (laughs) to dive in not just african-americans yes. even though thank y'all appreciate it but <laughs> we have to make sure that we are making sure that the wine industry is as diversified as it can be Hell yeah. because it's not even slightly that's yeah. right well, one not. thing i've noticed on my side of things in vineyard management is the vast majority of the labor force is not white except for you get into middle management you get into the wineries and then there's that big shift into mm-hmm. it being you know, like you said, it's probably 95% white. The vast mm-hmm. majority of people are white. And in reality, I mean, to me at least, it seems like we should be trying to bring up those, the vast majority of people who are doing the work, give them more opportunities, let them progress through the system, and not just say, okay, this is this is your job and that's where it is. They should have the opportunity to move upwards. I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is just um, people in my position, especially, and people above me, realizing that you know if we take some time put some effort in and train um people who aren't just you know white folks coming out of college getting a job that they're just as capable as us it's just different opportunities and different timelines um and i think that to me that seems like a a start of a way to make it more more equitable more representative of actually who's involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Opportunity, and, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And with that same topic in mind, uh, we wanted to ask you, like, we have been talking about, like, how we can structure our business to just be more diverse and be more inclusive and be more welcoming. And so do you have any ideas for us of, like, how we can, you know, not only diversify and like be more inclusive in our business but be welcoming you know when we build our tasting room and like what are some aspects like when you walk into a a tasting room like what's something that makes you feel like oh yeah like i could taste here you know like something Um, that makes you feel so to touch on the diversity part first Mm -hmm. it's all about who you're hiring um i think that if you in your application process just throw away with um, with race you are mm-hmm. um, I think that will handle it I know that we want to make sure that we're hiring people who are capable and can do the job so hiring someone who just because they're black I think is can be counterproductive um, but at that same time you know you should just hire people based off of if they're qualified for the job, do they have the personality? When I walk into a wine bar, I'm not 
really necessarily looking for someone black, even though I will notice if everyone's white. I'm just being honest. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. um, that's fair. When yeah. I walk in, you want to make sure that the person has the personality, that they're knowledgeable, that they're mm-hmm. fun. Oh, my gosh. Please, when you guys open your wine bar, I don't need to meet a snob. It's just <laughs> I don't care. Like, it's just no. <laughs> we I need like- I need someone mm-hmm. who is exciting, who's excited about wine knowledge, who's a total mm-hmm. nerd, total wine geek like me. <laughs> and who just will make sh- uh, make sure that even the person who is the least experienced in wine walks away with more knowledge and with about five cases of wine. Okay? Love right? That. That's the goal. Yes. Um, but as far as diversity goes, of course, hire people who are qualified. But if you start hiring people and you notice that it's looking a bit white or it's looking a bit Asian or any any mm-hmm. um, way of the extreme. I believe that it's your job to make sure that you're incorporating some diversity. When you guys reach that level, when you are having a board, make mm-hmm. sure that your board is diverse. That's child. I just keep thinking about my high school and all the things that we are doing there. And the board is like all white. So how in the world are we going to have conversations yes. about African-American women? Mm-hmm. And there's no one there who can relate to our experience, who can add um, value who can say hey this is a holiday or this is something that we do in the african-american community we should do something um for this holiday this month this whatever that's how you incorporate all cultures when you talk to people you have different people there and you're able to say how can we as a brand as a business reach this audience you know what i mean so that's what i would recommend People are gonna hear like my shirt rubbing or like my hair rubbing against my shirt because I'm just nodding my head so much. Just like yes, keep going, keep keep. Talking. But that's what you gotta do. Like you can't expect to have a diverse, you know, business if you're mm-hmm. not surrounded by colors. Yeah, it's just how. Yeah. How are you gonna do that? You have to. Diversity goes beyond even skin. It also goes into personality types and mm-hmm. interests and what are your people adding like. In a business, like I was telling you guys, your interests, who you are, that's what makes your podcast unique, right? Mm-hmm. I know I'm weird. I'm goofy. I'm all over the place, okay? I talk for hours. It's a <laughs> lot. But that's what my podcast is going to be. And you have to make sure that whoever you hire, that whatever they are creatively, intellectually, whatever makes them tick, that you are adding that and incorporating that in their business so that when people walk through the door... Because your people are excited to be there, because your people are representing all these different cultures, because of your people are knowledgeable in wine, they know about your wine in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that is what I want to walk into. I'm just like, I want to work here too. Everybody loves yeah. it here. What's going on? Like, that's what I want to see. Okay. That's it. That's, that's all I got to say. That's awesome. Gee, just rambling forever. <laughs> no. Good God. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> I hope that no they love it. No need to apologize. <laughs> yeah, you do not need to apologize. No way. <laughs> Please keep it coming. Cause yeah. And we've been talking about like reaching out to um, high schools that have, you know, a diverse population of students and, and mm-hmm. just like offering them internships or just going to talk like James yeah. said. Just go in, share our, or not necessarily our experience, but share what we're doing. Let them know it's something mm-hmm. that if they're if it sounds interesting, um, that they can come out, take a look, see what's going on. 
yeah learn about it yeah um, get involved in it yeah just try and you know not necessarily even just wine grape growing but uh, we have quite a few connections in the community back there um and try mm-hmm. and kind of bring that into areas that aren't usually connected to that yeah um, and you're talking about in um california right yeah yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and that popula- that pocket that we're moving into, I don't know of a single African American owned winery in that area or anything like any kind it's, of minority owned. Yeah, we're gonna blend right in, unfortunately. But that's what I want to bring. Is <laughs> and like, I fortunately, bring. I yeah. mean, you know, it's like you want to be mindful of your privilege. You want to make sure you're not taking advantage of your privilege. You want to make sure that you are opening doors and representing and trying to make the um, playing field as easy and as Mm -hmm. even as possible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, if you don't take advantage of your privilege, then the people who at the top or the people doing the things that you're saying that you want to do are going to be the same people who haven't allowed us to be at that same place um i'm just i'm just saying you guys seem like you are aware it is important that you are in these spaces to influence change Mm -hmm. so don't i mean don't downplay your privilege know that it's there Mm -hmm. and be proactive with it yeah i want to move into that population or that pocket and bring diversity into that population make Mm -hmm. sure that there's there is diversity like i want to see change in that area because you know like we're right next to sacramento and i know that sacramento has like a lot of minorities hanging out in in that area so let's pull them down like into that region get them involved in the wine industry like I just, yeah, I just, I'm really passionate. <laughs> you should be. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't even know that wine could could have been a profession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if I would have known earlier, like, where I would be if I would have done something differently. Like, you know, we have to know in these communities, we have to know that there mm-hmm. are other options. This, the wine industry is so reserved. Like, it's even reserved for millennials who are white and are afraid to drink wine or even go to a winery because it's so Mm -hmm. snobby Mm -hmm. and no one's like I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing I just like (laughs) to drink wine like that's the persona of wine Mm -hmm. so we have to break it all the way down (laughs) I'm here for it I'm so here for it that's something we've talked about a little bit before on our podcast is the whole snobbiness and like if you're going to go into a winery, if you want to act like you know what you're doing, here's some pointers. If not, just go and ask them what, like, what's going on. Yeah. If they're a good tasting room. Booker, I swear to... You just can't leave you alone. Good gracious. So if you want to go into a tasting room and they're good, just ask I was wondering what that was. I was like, I think you guys are having yeah. an earthquake. I'm not sure. <laughs> She's she not is... usually this uh, Sorry, persuasive. James. But yeah, I, I do. I do. Um, I support you guys going into these communities and making sure that you are influencing change, but make sure you go into your own community and influence it as well. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. This is We completely... have the tag team. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so actually, I've got a question. I'm always late to the game. But pre-COVID, when you were working at a wine bar, uh, what, mm-hmm. what were you doing there? And what, what would you like to see yourself doing post-COVID? All right. So while I was at... Screw Top Wine Bar, shout out to them. Um, I was a bartender server, which at that, it's so small, they're all the mm-hmm. same. 
you order wine, you order food, we give it to you. But um, I did that. I worked the retail um, where pretty much I sold the wines. If they had any questions, I would, you know, on any of the retail wall, I would go help people pick their wines and all that jazz. Um, and then I also, towards the end, which I was so sad when COVID started, um, they know they knew about my Tasting Thursdays. They knew I was level two when they hired me. Um, and I was starting to do some of their tastings. Awesome. So, and that's what you guys, that's where I thrive. I love it. So, um, that's pretty much what I was doing there post COVID. Ah, goodness gracious. If I can make a living off doing what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. that would be great. You know, yeah. I love doing my taste in Thursdays. I am, I love, you know, I'm so excited to start this podcast and, you know, interacting with different wineries and different wine professionals. I, I just love it. So if I can find a way to, really get paid mm-hmm. to do that yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's the ticket um all right before covid i was doing kind of i was i made my i did my own tastings um i would you know you bought a ticket i would bring wine bring um food mm-hmm. pairings and i would educate people on that again everything i did was to help me study for my level two yeah. and then also to prepare me for my level three so all of those things i did in the past i need to do more of now Mm-hmm. Because if I don't have to go to Screw Top, that would be great. I think I would want to work part time, no matter if I needed to work at Screw Top or not. Mm-hmm. Simply because I love the people there; they are amazing. They're amazing over there. So sweet, um, so knowledgeable. Great wines, great food. I love working there. So that's what I would like to do post awesome. uh, COVID. That's yeah. amazing, and. Sorry, did we did we already talk about like when you're you're gonna drop your podcast when you're gonna release episodes? Oh God! <laughs> Don't put the pressure. I know, on I know so here. much pressure. <laughs> ah! Okay, so <laughs> the goal was to um, have it the first week of July, which it doesn't look like that's gonna happen. Okay. However, um, I am thinking that it's gonna be um, probably end of July. I have okay. my lineup for um, my interviews. I still have a couple slots that I need to fill, but I'm going to start recording um, within the next few weeks. Awesome. So I should be able to start the podcast for sure and start dropping everything um, late July, awesome. early August, if I'm really being hard on myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your um, your goal was to drop like a couple episodes up front, is that right? Or were you talking yes. about? Okay. Yeah, so awesome. my goal um, is to have, I'm, I want to have three episodes where I drop immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have it, my first season to be 10 episodes. If it works out that I have more and I'm just thriving and loving it, then I will. But my goal is to have 10 episodes, first three drop when I go live awesome. on all awesome. platforms, yeah. all streaming platforms. I am so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> Olivia Song Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You don't even need any effects. Like no. <laughs> you've got it all dialed in. You know, you know my doing. entire family is like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why one of my episodes, I'm for sure my one of my sisters are going to be one of my guests, and so 
I'm excited about that. Um, We have some wineries and wine professionals. Some of my friends are going to be on there. You guys, who are my friends, same category, um, (laughs) are going to be on the podcast. So I'm excited. I'm super excited. Oh, my God. I can't wait. (laughs) And I love that your whole family and, like, all your friends are are supportive and, like, being involved in all of what you're doing. Like, when I was like, oh, like, I'd love to meet your team. And you're like... Yeah, that's that's my family (laughs) (laughs) in real life. But um, the the thing I'm fortunate about my team, they are actually experienced in what they do. I'm I will give you guys. So sorry, listeners, I'm not talking about y'all. But I will give you guys um, a little snip of uh, my intro music. So my sister worked on that. She created that. She's actually an engineer and has offered to, you know, help me with engineering and editing and all that stuff. So high quality is the goal. I know that, you know, every podcast when it first starts is a struggle. So I just have to let that go. But Mm -hmm. I'm excited. (laughs) That's so cool. I'm so excited to hear it. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. And I'm, I'm so happy excited. for you guys. Thanks. And I want to talk about your books because I've been like, I I want to know so badly what they're about. <laughs> like, And also, do you have like a contract already with somebody or are you just writing these? No, and, okay, this is ISIS being ISIS. Okay. <laughs> I'm just out here writing books. I love it. And I'm honestly, um, I'm probably going to publish in, independently, uh, probably like through Amazon or something like that. Okay. I just, from the research I've done, it's better for me to do it that way than assign to a publishing company. They just kind of rob you of your money. Kind of same with the music industry. Signing to a label at this point with technology, what's really the point? So right. I'm going to see where I go and what happens. But I have two books. The first book, I am, what, like 25 chapters in. (sighs) Y'all, you won't believe this. So before COVID happened, I wrote this concept in 2013 about a conspiracy theory coming true. This is what the book's about. It's about a conspiracy theory about the CDC and the FDA and pharmaceutical companies coming up with... (laughs) With a virus that um, turns 90% of the world sterile. Um, Well, the virus doesn't. It's actually the vaccine that they make. So, you know, I'm super anxious about this COVID vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing all this research like... I don't want that. Yo, when COVID-19 (laughs) happened, you will not believe all of the phone calls I got. They were like, who knew about my book? And they were like, Uh your book, it's happening. (laughs) And it was... It was insane because it really just, you know, population control is a real thing. It's a topic that happens in um, behind closed doors that we don't know about. And I decided to write a book about someone who kind of catches wind of yeah. some of the plans that oh people have and so kind of her run for her life. So that's what the first book is about. It's crazy. And after COVID everything just switched because a Mm -hmm. lot of the things I I was writing about, they were like theories. I never thought in my life that I would witness what I was writing and actually have, be able to live the experience that my character is living through. Mm -hmm. So a lot changed and I really had to pause the book and just live for a moment Mm -hmm. because now anything I write that's not accurate to the times will 
seem kind of baseless and pointless and that wouldn't happen because we've lived it you right. know yeah I got so you. I got it's crazy about. i didn't know i you guys i didn't know it was going to be this hard i never would have started writing this book had i known it was going to be this hard i promise <laughs> you it's crazy I, um the next book yeah oh so the first book i don't know i don't know if i should tell y'all the name or not mm, no you can keep it a secret uh, you don't have secret, to tell yeah. us everything <laughs> <laughs> but i'll tell you the name of the next book because right. I mean I can change this the second name this next book I can change the name if somebody tries to rip me off losers <laughs> um, but the next book is called A Guy Walks Into a Bar um, and the book is just going to cover uh, a black girl dating a white guy and a black guy and kind of that life so oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> those are both of those oh my god I can't wait Interracial to read dating. them mm-hmm. yeah I feel yeah. like, like especially right now, that is like something that needs to be talked about. Also, like, yeah, I think it, it's just like s- specific to the the time that we're living. You know? <laughs> but it's weird because these concepts came way before it ever yeah. happened, and I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I don't know how I feel about it, especially with my first book. It's eerie. It's weird as heck. Um, it's weird, but the second book, I, it's, it really does hit home a little bit, um, with different life experiences that I've had. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a lot of it in my book. Um, I've been in interracial relationships and, um, you know, how family views things, um, how people outside of family, friends, strangers, everything, how they look at you, their thoughts your thoughts yeah i think that um kind of putting a perspective from a african-american woman and mm-hmm. i think will be cool in my la- um in my first book there's actually you don't really we don't talk about race you kind of read and you figure out what race the person is yourself mm-hmm. yeah. but this next one it's going to be very clear <laughs> i love that and i was just listening to a podcast about the author of a book called letters to martin um and mm-hmm. it's a book have you heard of it? I haven't read nope. it yet, but it's it's about this um, this African American boy who just is really struggling with racism and race and all that, and he writes letters to uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and just like mm-hmm. writes them in like a diary, like writing to to Martin. So, um, so that was really cool. And the she was talking about like why she wrote it, and she was like. I was talking to these students and they were so confused because they didn't see themselves and in, in what they were reading and, and what people were teaching them in school. Like, and it's so important mm. to like bring that aspect because like, like if you can't see yourself in what you're learning about and what you're doing in everyday life, like how are you supposed to move on in, you know, like how are you supposed to be comfortable in, in the society, you know? okay that's a whole child that was a whole sermon I'm just trying to let you know (laughs) because again I'm the exception to the rule there's so many African American people who especially if they grow up in affluent communities Mm -hmm. who don't learn who don't see themselves in history yeah besides being a slave yeah like terrible you it's but that's yeah. our reality yeah. and people 
are either okay with that reality or they have never stepped back and said, yo, I've never even thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Like, even when you talk about TV, what are the images that African-Americans see of them, like themselves right. often, more often? I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, some TV um, shows that show African-Americans not as gangsters, thugs, and mm-hmm. yeah. all the other mammies and everything else. Yeah. There are stuff now, but how often do you even see those? Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Not nearly as I mean, often. even the syrup. You guys heard about that, yeah. right? The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. They're just now saying, mm-hmm. hmm, that's an issue. <laughs> like, come on, y'all. Yeah. Like, we all knew this was an issue a long time mm-hmm. ago. <laughs> like, Long time, long time ago. And, you know, I was talking to my mom about this where I'm super grateful that they are making these changes because these are the changes that will change the experience my children will have. They won't Mm -hmm. have to grow up and see these things and have these subliminals and kind of put two and two together and be like, oh, mom, check this out. You know, they won't have to do Mm -hmm. that. But um, I'm still more concerned with policies and making sure that, yes, we can do all of these changes, but what are we doing to the system? That's really where my heart is. Mm -hmm. I need change to happen. I need to see who we're hiring, why we're hiring, all that. I just need to make a point about that while I have the mic. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and please and people don't get to time. see all of my faces while we're talking so they just like hear me they're and like, missing out yeah. honestly like all the dancers that you're doing over there and just like <laughs> I which is probably it. why my podcast should have a video because yes, you, you definitely need a youtube channel for your podcast <laughs> unlike us where i just kind of sit here pretty still until i have something to say <laughs> oh y'all look great come Thank on you. now <laughs> Well, Danielle, you're you're like you're giving to me. You're dancing a little bit. I think you talk with your hands too. I'm playing off your energy. That's what's happening here. I'm just like this is just my my normal state. <laughs> yeah. He's super chill, you guys. <laughs> That's a yeah. very nice way to put it. I've got one more question oh. for you, um, just out of personal curiosity. What are your favorite types of wines? If oh, you've yeah. got like a label or a varietal or anything. All right, so I actually, y'all, I wrote up notes. All right. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I try not to hide from the fact that I, I you know, I call myself a baby psalm. Um, because, yes, I'm level two. I have a lot to learn, and I'm open to that. I don't want to make it seem like, oh, yeah, I have all the knowledge. I have knowledge, and I can definitely help people who have no knowledge or I might know something that someone who is knowledgeable, what they don't know. So mm-hmm. I offer what I know. However, um, I do have um, one varietal that I just, one varietal and one bottle that okay. I've fallen in love with. And I've actually mentioned them on my um, Instagram. Someone asked me, like, what's your favorite varietal? And I was like, can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> okay. So I love the tonight grape. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, the Tanat, it, it's a very, very bold varietal. All right, so pause. If you were to have asked me if you had one varietal before you die, <laughs> what would you drink? And I would say Tanat because mm-hmm. I, I love how complex, 
um, you know, the tannins onto knot because they usually um, ferment with the stems. So you get mm-hmm. this rough, crazy, almost feel like your tongue's going to fall off tannins. Yeah. Oh, child, I love it. Um, <laughs> you get some like licorice in there, spices, um, lots of like black, um, black fruit. I just, and it's usually, and it can be jammy and high acidity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you give me almost like a um, Cabernet, you know how Cabernet Sauvignon can be so intense all around when it comes to acidity, body, um, just all of the five, you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to that, Tana is it takes it up about five to ten notches. Mm-hmm. I love it. I want I want to go through a journey with whenever I drink wine, I always talk about that. Let me go through a journey and let it be as intense and bumpy and crazy and sloppy as possible. Mm. And that's I love that. I'm just I'm just saying like that that is me. Um <laughs> and actually shout out to 1750 Tonight. That that's the bottle of wine I believe it was. I think I looked up 2017 was that? Yeah, 2017 um that wine is from Bolivia. Okay. Excellent. Oh, wow. Um it's I call it shy. The reason why I call it shy is because when you open it, you just need to let it sit for an hour. Just mm-hmm. don't even touch it. Just <laughs> leave it alone. Because when you try to drink it, it's gonna you're you're not gonna be okay. All right. <laughs> so just let it sit for you're a good time. Okay. Definitely a decanter if you got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let that thing do its thing. Yeah. Um, but then my favorite or reason why I call it my favorite wine is because it's so different. Okay, so it's called Is- um, Isabella uh, Proibida. Okay, so this wine is from Portugal. I love Portuguese wines. Listen, I love Portuguese <laughs> wine. Man. Um, yeah, so sorry, I had a moment. So no, bad. Um, the Proibida is a very unique wine simply because it's made from the Isabella, yeah, grape. Uh-huh. The grape actually isn't supposed to be grown at all in Portugal. Hmm. That's why it's called Proibida, because it's forbidden. You're not supposed yeah. to use it. Um, you know how most countries, they have their control laws, and they have certain mm-hmm. grapes that are banned because that region or that country, they, as a collective group, don't believe that it's good enough quality to represent the country. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right? So this um, wine producer decided as a kind of like a a personal project that he was going to use this wine to create wine, mm-hmm. uh, use this grape to create wine, and it was, it's great. So this is why I love it. That's um, awesome. That is awesome. Okay, so Gerger Loins, uh, <laughs> it kind of tastes like sour beer. Yeah. And I love it. That's something huh. I can like, get on board with. I sour I like beer, a good sour beer and cranberry juice, like Ooh. organic cranberry juice. Hmm. It's I before I was it. drinking wine when I was underage. I used to get a wine glass and pour a little bit of cranberry juice, organic cranberry juice, and sip it like wine. So for me, this wine is like olfactory. Hey, childhood, <laughs> enjoy. Like I love yeah. it. And isn't that I what like I... wine tasting and like drinking wine is about? Is just like memories you know like it's, it's all, an experience yeah, yeah that's right but to go back to the tanat we mm-hmm. hadn't heard of tanat grapes and i mean like 
we talked to yeah. Ursa Vineyards, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is a winery that's actually from Placerville. They've expanded and well, they they're were working. Purchased by Bending yeah. Branch out in Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm. So now they're part of a larger group. But yeah. They do, they actually make wine from Tanat grown in Texas. Yeah. So mm. when you said that, I was like, oh, hey, I know yeah. what she's talking about. James started like poking me. <laughs> I, like, I, like... I know something. I know something. <laughs> no, Tanat's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really good. I didn't know about it. The reason why I want to continue to work at the wine bar, no matter if my business just takes off tomorrow, Mm -hmm. I don't have to work a day in my life for whatever reason. I would still want to work at a wine bar because I learned about this great because I was working there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, Screwtop, they try to find such unique wines. That's why I love it. That's why I'm comfortable giving them this little shout out here um, on this podcast because... You know, they find unique wines, and Tanat is just a very, very sexy, sophisticated grape. Yeah. It's grown. It's a grown and sexy grape. Like, you can't, if you can't (laughs) hang, don't drink it. Just chill. (laughs) Because it's so full body, it's so heavy. It's child. It's a lot. That's why I like it. It's a lot. (laughs) So, I have a question. Yeah. Um, For your wine, what exactly do you think you are, um, Flavor profile, do you think you're going to lean towards? What do you think? Ooh, that's a good Ideal. Question. I mean, I know when you go to climate, I know as you guys move closer, things might change. Mm-hmm. What you want might change. Yeah. But for right now, what would be ideal? I think our, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I think we're both on the same page. I think our ideas mostly go off of what the fruit provides for flavor. And then through the winemaking process, just try and accentuate that. So it's going to depend on the varietal. Like Roussan, what we've read up on is a lot of people tend to oak it to kind of mellow out some things. So we might go with some new oak, but not as much. And try Mm -hmm. to let the fruit come, you know, what's in the fruit come through um, and kind of give a sense of the the location, the site, and how it was farmed. And so... Mm -hmm. One thing we're looking for, at least now, before we have our own vineyard, is um, people who farm, not necessarily organically, but responsibly, and take, you know, have good stewardship of the vineyard and the lands around it. Um, But as far as, like, a lineup we're still working out, it's going to be dependent on um, what fruit is available and what growers we want to work with. So we're still Mm -hmm. trying to figure that out. I like those big, jammy, like, punch-you-in-the-face flavors. Like, yeah. give me all of that. <laughs> like, I want, like, the jammy fruit, like, a good, solid zin. Like, that's what I like. <laughs> so that's what mm. I'm going to be pushing yeah. for. So we are looking at zin, <laughs> um, Barbera, Roussan, obviously, um, maybe Sangiovese. Not all at once. (laughs) So fun to say. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It's so bad. I can't help it. So you know how there are like certain words you don't know how to say and you Google it. That's one of my words. And so that's exactly how it said. It's on Jovese. And so I just can't help it. Did it's like a like, trigger word. Like listen to it on repeat. Like San Jovese. Yes, I did. I did. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, continue. No, it's all right. It was like an outburst. No, my bad. That's Sorry. Fine. But yeah, those are kind of our, our core group that we're looking at yeah. right now. 
Okay. Do you have any questions? Are you all out of questions? I think I'm tapped out, yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I got. <laughs> Isis, do you have any more questions? Anything that you want to touch on? Anything you want to talk about? I don't know. You guys excited to be a guest on the Millennial Song oh Podcast? Beyond yes. Excited. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> we could just like talk to you every day that'd be great <laughs> i mean we can do that that's totally fine we just our daily skype call yes. like whatever the noise is yeah, i can't even yeah. think of it i can remember your tasting thursdays tasting thursdays there you go and we got it recorded too i love it i love when people sing the song and does something to my soul i'm so serious okay wait i never so even cool. sang it Okay. <laughs> me, me, me. <laughs> you guys, um, at this point, we've had a couple glasses of wine, so please forgive us. <laughs> this is probably our longest episode ever by quite a bit. Oh, God. Awesome. I'm sorry. Okay. Be great. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. That was not a complaint whatsoever. <laughs> or I'm going to sing this. Okay. Tasting Thursdays. Get okay. it. Tasting Thursdays with your girl, the Millennial Song. You gotta so add good. like the little clap, uh, mm-hmm. like sound yeah. effects. <laughs> sound effects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, Stevie. <laughs> that was so good. You have an amazing voice. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, thank you so, so much. much. I, I feel like this is probably going to be my favorite podcast forever. <laughs> I love it. I've had so and much you guys fun. will forever, no matter what happens, be my first podcast. <gasps> I feel so, so blessed. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't wait till this comes out. Really, I want to, you know, I know I said it in the beginning, but I'm going to say it again because I made it. Um, I really appreciate you guys. Let me be on this podcast. I had yeah, such a great time. We had such a great time, too. Thank you so much. for. And we're going to do it again. So I think oh, that's yeah. like even better. Yeah. But you guys will be on the hot seat. Ha <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, I said. Yes, thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you. That was amazing. Yeah, I, it was great. I really, really hope that. enjoyed it. Yeah, I really hope that everybody else enjoyed it as much as I did because yeah. I had to cut out me giggling and like laughing and, and like having the best time because I was just so excited to be there to talk to Isis. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry for the long episode, everybody. There's just a little bit more in store. As we've posted, we will be not on hiatus, but on a limited release schedule for now. Um we are pushing ourselves to the absolute limit yeah work has shifted into high gear for me so i'm not able to help out nearly as much as i was for a while yep i've um, put in my notice to leave my current job in the world mm-hmm. of forensic science and start my brand new job with yep. grand marin and um, Marine. grand Marine. Yeah. and work in the lab and cellar there at a local winery here in in the great state of Oregon. Yeah. We're working on selling our house. Well, just trying to fix it up so we can sell it. That's right. We're um, talking to a real estate agent back in California about properties. We've got our custom crush going on. We've got fruit pretty much all sourced. Yeah. Um 
there's potential employment opportunities in California coming up. Yeah. It's it's a lot. And yep. we don't want to put this necessarily on the back burner. Uh, but for our overall goal, it is the one thing that we felt we could let slip a little bit. Um, we want to keep you guys updated. We still want to keep you in the loop and try and share episodes as often as we can. But with how much we've bitten off and... You know, between Danielle and I, we're working like 105 to 120 hours a week. Yeah. Um, so that's not a complaint. That's just letting you know where we're at. Yep. What's okay. come up. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll keep you as updated as we can. Yes, we will. Keep you as entertained as we can. <laughs> we'll try our best. Even though it'll probably be less than before. That's right. And in the meantime... You can follow us on Instagram at Voyage to First Vintage. Find us at our website, Voyage to First Vintage.com. We're on Facebook, Voyage to First Vintage. Twitter at Voyage underscore First. Check out Millennial Psalm on Instagram as well. The Millennial, Millennial Psalm. And she shouted out a couple a couple um, wineries and yeah. um, sorry, we can cut that part out. While Danielle searches, do 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 do. Oh, it was by Dan Wines is who um, Isis shout. By D N D. B Y D A N D Wines, yeah. and we also talked about the 1750 Tanat. We also mm-hmm. talked about the Isabella Prohibida. Yeah. And. Um, we talked about all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. So. Google it. Ask us questions. Reach out to us. Reach out to us. Voyage to First Vintage at gmail.com. That's right. Go follow Isis. Do all that stuff. We'll try and post as much as we can in the coming weeks and months until uh, until our lives calm down a little bit. We kind of figure by the, you know. Give us a couple months. We'll be back on top of things in a bit. Mm-hmm. And if more. you need something else to listen to, I hear there's a pretty great podcast coming out. The Millennial Song Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so stay tuned for that, guys. Yeah. And we'll and talk to you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs>